Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the ephod of the priest as we pick up in Exodus chapter 28, verse 8. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And the curious girdle of the ephod, which is upon it, shall be of the same according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, of purple, scarlet, and fine twin linen. Thou shalt take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the children of Israel. So that these onyx stones were actually to tack this ephod here at the shoulders, uh, to tack it together here at his shoulders. But on these onyx were the names of the children of Israel, so that whenever the priest would go before God, he was always bearing the names of the children of Israel, that is the tribes of Israel, on his shoulders. Whenever he would go before God, there in the onyx stones, there in his shoulders, the tribes of Israel would be six on each shoulder being carried before God. With the worker, the engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, you'll engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel and shall make them to be set in the ouches of gold. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulder of the ephod for stones of a memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for memorial. And you'll make the ouches of gold and the two chains of pure gold at the ends. Wreathen work shalt thou make them and fasten the wreathen chains to the ouches. Now the breastplate on his chest, there was this breastplate that he was to wear. The breastplate of judgment with cunning work, the work of the ephod shalt thou make it, of gold and blue and purple and scarlet, of fine twine linen shalt thou make it. It shall be a square and it shall be doubled, four squares shall it be being doubled, a span shall be the length thereof and a span shall be the breadth thereof. Now a span is the difference. The, the length between your thumb and your finger. So a square like this, this little breastplate that the priest wore on his chest. And thou shalt set in it the settings of stones, four rows and three stones in each row. The first row shall be sardis, topaz, carbuncle. The second shall be an emerald, sapphire, and a diamond. The third shall be a Lingur, an agate, and an amethyst, and the fourth shall be a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. So these precious stones, and they shall be set in gold in their enclosings, and the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And so there is to be a golden chain holding this breastplate over his chest so that actually he was bearing now not only the names of the children of Israel on his shoulders before the Lord, but over his heart, the names of the tribes of Israel over his heart as they were engraved on each stone representing one of the tribes and the names of the tribes engraved under the stones. So verse 29, Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart 
when he goes in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. So as he comes into the presence of God, he's bearing really the names of the tribes of Israel on his shoulders, on his heart. Now in verse 30, the Urim and the Thummim. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart. When he goeth in before the Lord, and Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Now, what is the Urim and the Thummim? Really, um, the, it, the words mean lights and perfections. I really don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what the Urim and the Thummim actually are. But in years to come, when they wanted to hear from God, they would oftentimes come to the priest to inquire of the Lord. And the Urim and the Thummim had something to do with inquiring of God. Because they would come to the priest with the Urim and the Thummim and he would inquire of the Lord for them. So when David wanted to know, shall we go out to battle, rather than just going out to battle, he would come to the priest and say, inquire of the Lord, shall we go to battle? And the priest with the Urim and the Thummim would inquire of God and say, yes, go. And, and then they would continue to get directions. Now, some believe that the Urim and the Thummim were actually two stones, a black stone and a white stone. And that in the inquiring of the Lord, the priest would reach in and pull out one of the stones. If he pulled out the white stone, it was God saying yes. If he pulled out the black stone, it was God saying no. And that is one of the most prominent theories of what the Urim and the Thummim actually were. Two stones by which the, the priest would say, God, you know, show us, shall we go now? And he'd pull in, and if the white stone would come out, yes, we go now. If the black stone would go out, no, we wait. And then uh, they would keep asking questions that could be answered by yes and no, inquiring of the Lord for directions and guidance. It is interesting, in the New Testament, the disciples were following somewhat similar kind of leading when they were wanting to choose a replacement for Judas Iscariot. They, they sort of drew straws. They cast lots. Now, the casting of lots is, is much the same. It is, uh, and this was a method, casting of lots was a method used quite often by people to determine the will of God. You remember Saul used the casting of lots to determine who had disobeyed his order. He said, you know, we'll divide all of Israel and Jonathan and my son and we'll cast lots. And the lots fell on Saul and Jonathan. He said, Jonathan, what did you do? And so the casting of lots was a was a method by which they sought from God answers. Now, all of us desire to be led by God. And we would like to make sure that it is God leading. And we remember where 
Gideon put out his fleece of wool, seeking that God would lead by the fleece. Lord, are you really in this thing? Let the ground be dry and the fleece be wet so that I can know that you're really in it. And then the next night, Lord, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. He didn't know but what maybe he had stumbled on some phenomena of nature that fleece will always get wet at night and the ground even when it is dry and maybe it's just a phenomena of nature. So, Lord, let's reverse this and see if it works the other way. Whereby he was seeking to be sure of the leading of God. Now, we would love to have some way that we could be sure of the leading of God. But this is almost like flipping a coin. And I surely wouldn't recommend that. Heads I go, tails I stay. God let it land, you know, according to your will. I knew of a fellow who used to seek the leading of the Lord by putting ten pennies in his pocket. And as he would pray and ask God for guidance, he would take out the pennies and put them down, and if they all came up, all ten came up heads, he took that as a yes indication from God. Any other combination he accepted as a no. Well, you know, if they all come up heads, you are fighting some pretty good odds now. The amazing thing, every once in a while they would all come up heads. The idea is that we would all like some kind of a sure method of knowing when God is saying yes and when God is saying no. But the problem is we don't always give God all the alternatives. Lord, which one shall it be, Matthias or Barsabas, that you have chosen to take Judas's place? So casting lots between Matthew and Barsabas was not good because God had a third party that they didn't even know at that time except as an enemy, a zealot Jew, Paul, or Saul of Tarsus. Oh, surely God doesn't want him. Never put his name in the pot, you know, because no way would God want him. So we don't always give God all the alternatives. We so often say, Lord, shall it be this or that? Well, it maybe will be something entirely different from this or that. Something I haven't even thought of. Now, I'm sorry that there is no surefire way of getting a yes or a no, like tossing a coin or pulling out a black or a white rock. We walk by faith. What I do is when I begin the day, I say, God, my life is yours. You guide in the circumstances of this day. I commit this day to you. Bring to pass your will in my life, and then I just have to trust God to do it. And I accept the things that come in the day as from the Lord and the leading of the Spirit. I believe that my life becomes the revelation of God's will, 
as I submit myself to him. If in all of your ways you acknowledge him, he will direct your path. Where you get into trouble is by jumping in because you think, oh man, look at this good deal. You don't th you think, oh man, you know, don't even need to inquire of the Lord on this one. It's quite obvious. Such a good deal, I don't even have to ask. You know, that's where I get in trouble. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. The walk of faith is always a difficult walk. It isn't easy. As I say, we would like it much better if we could get some very positive indications of yes or no. It's hard to just walk by faith trusting God. It can be very confusing. If we keep getting blocked in something we're attempting to do, is it God saying no, or is it Satan trying to hinder me from doing the work of God, you know? And so it's so difficult at times to, to really know when to persevere and, and when to realize, hey, I'm trying to buck God. God isn't wanting me to do this. I surely wish that I could have a more positive, definite way of ascertaining when God wants me to move, when God doesn't want me to move. I don't. I'm just like you are. I just pray, and then I trust God, and then I move, and then I hope I've done the right thing. And I trust that God is great enough that if I haven't, he knows my heart, he knows the sincerity of my heart, and I've done the wrong thing, he'll, knowing the sincerity of my heart, overlook it and help me to correct it. So we really don't know exactly what the Urim and the Thummim was. I am convinced that I know what it wasn't. I know that it wasn't what Joseph Smith said it was. <laughs> For with the golden tablets that he found, supposedly, he also found this pair of colored glasses that were magic glasses because when he put them on, he could read the hieroglyphics on the golden tablets. So they were magical interpretive glasses by which he could read the hieroglyphics. No, that's not what the Urim and the Thummim were. But what they actually were, we don't know. Now this robe of the ephod was to be all blue. There was to be a hole in the top of it and in the midst, and it should have a binding of woven work rounded about the hole as though it were a hole of a habergun and so it would not be torn. So it's sort of a, oh, a hem, really, just to keep it from being torn. And beneath upon the hem thou shalt make pomegranates. Now this is on the bottom side of, the, of this ephod. There were to be these pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet round about the hem thereof and bells of gold between them round about a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate about the hem of the robe all around it. 
And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, when he cometh out, that he die not. Now the purpose then around the hem of the ephod was these, were these little golden bells and, and then a pomegranate, a golden bell, a pomegranate, all the way around the hem. The purpose is that when he went into the Holy of Holies, no one could go in there except the high priest. But coming into the presence of God was a really a hazardous job. Uh, when the whole thing first got started, they realized what a hazardous occupation they'd gotten into as priests. The very first day that they started their ministry as priests, two of them got wiped out. Nadab and Abihu both got wiped out the very first day. Because when they got the whole thing set up, and, and they got the altar all set, and, and, the, and the wood on the altar, fire came down from heaven, and the wood just spontaneously started to burn. And Aaron's two sons got so excited, they grabbed their little incense burners, and they took strange, they took the, the incense in them, but they took strange fire and they went in to offer it before God and the fire came from the altar and consumed the two sons of Aaron. It was a dangerous, hazardous job. You're coming into the presence of God and you better make sure that everything is right. If it isn't, you've had it. Now even the high priest in coming in before God, coming into the presence of God, everything had to be just right. If it wasn't, the high priest would get wiped out. How would they know? The bells would quit ringing. So that was the purpose of the little bells. So they would tie a rope on his foot. And if the bells would quit ringing, they'd take and drag him out. <laughs> Occupational hazard. <laughs> and so that was the purpose of the little golden bells around the hem is that when he was ministering before God in the actual going in into this area of, of coming into that area where God's presence was to meet the people, things had to be right, or it could mean the life of the high priest. And so the golden bells, so that they would know in, in case he died. Now thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, the crown that the priest was to wear, and on this little plate you were to, grave, uh, you were to engrave it on it, holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre shall it be. So this mitre or crown, the blue crown that the priest was to wear, on it this little golden plate with the engraving, holiness to the Lord. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron might bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall sanctify in all their holy gifts, and it shall always be upon his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. And thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen. Thou shalt make a mitre of fine linen, and thou shalt make a girdle of needlework. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles and bonnets, and thou shalt make for them for the glory and the beauty. So they were very, you know, ornament. Uh, it, it was quite, uh, I want to say ornamentation, but it was, it was very ostentatious. 
and uh, awesome as they would come out in these robes. Thou shalt put upon Aaron thy brother and upon his sons with him. Thou shalt anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even to the thighs shall they reach. And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come into the tabernacle of the congregation or when they come near unto the altar to minister unto the holy place, that they bear not the iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever and ever and to his seed after him. So that when they're bearing the iniquity of the people, they don't die themselves. Now notice that the, the robes were all of linen. There wasn't to be any woolen garment worn by the priest. For wool causes you to sweat. And God didn't want any man sweating in his labor for him. That's very interesting, isn't it? When we look at all the perspiration that goes into the work of God today so many times. God doesn't want you to perspire in your work for him. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 28 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May He fill you with the knowledge of His love and His grace. And may you walk in fellowship with Him. And may the Lord continue His work in your life as He draws you unto Himself, as He cleanses you through His Word, as He fits you and prepares you for that work that He would have you to do in touching the needy world around you. God bless you, and God strengthen you, and keep you ever in His love and in His will. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? 
If this less than perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today. Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.